You're listening to Inside the Athletic Mind with your hosts, Taylor Cook, Lauren Williams, and Margaret Jennings. Welcome back to another episode of Inside the Athletic Mind, where we dig deep and shed light on the mental side of sports for female athletes and coaches by having open conversations about mental health, mindset, and performance. All right, welcome back, everybody. Um, Today, we're going to be talking about the off-season, which for some people, I'm sure that I said that word and you cringed and other people got really excited Um, I've been on both sides of that spectrum where the off season is like the Holy grail. I'm so excited to get going. And then on the other side of it, where you hit the off season and you're just saying, I'm so exhausted. I have no motivation to do anything right now. Um, and one of the big things that I've been doing a lot right, right now with teams, with players is trying to give them a system to track and measure their progress so that they keep those motivation levels high um, so that they're going into each session, whether it's on ice, on the field, on the track, or in the gym with purpose, which can be really hard once you've you know gone from a really goal-driven sport for six to nine months into three months of your, your off-season. So, yeah, I'm excited to get into this one. Yeah, I mean – it's funny that you talk about like how we relate to the off season, right? I mean, when I think of the off season, I think of kind of like the first week where you get to decompress from the nine months of just brutal torture that you're putting your body through day in and day out from practicing, from training, from games and that kind of stuff. So that's kind of the first thing I think about. Um, But I know that there's a lot of girls I played with where they don't take that time to buffer between the season and the off season. So I think before we get into the importance of building those internal uh, validation systems and the internal motivation, we should talk about the importance of taking that moment to decompress from the season. Um, I know this one's been a long one because of COVID because of everything that's been going on in the world. Um, and I think, I think in a lot of places, school's just finishing now too. So like now is the time to kind of check in with yourself. Like how did your season go? That, that fun stuff. And then to have a short break from thinking about hockey or thinking about your sport and just kind of take a moment to enjoy the fact that you've completed the last season, that you just finished your school year, all of that stuff too. Well, what gets in the way of that, right? It's, it's fear, fear of falling behind that, that ultimate fear of, I won't be good enough, or I'm, I'm not good enough to take a break that often gets in the way of that. But you're so right. Like you just, especially for sports like hockey, where you're going through, if you're a student athlete, both semesters, like you're going the entire time throughout your school year. Um, it truly is a year round sport. You're getting out of a grueling season where your body's tired. Your brain is probably also tired. Like you're mentally fatigued, you're physically fatigued. And yeah, add on top of a grueling sport physically and mentally, you also had 
a return to quote-unquote normalcy after the pandemic, which also had its stressors. Like, oh, do I have to worry about getting sick? What happens if I do get sick? Am I going to ruin chances for my team because we won't be able to play if I do get sick? How do I balance, you know, going out and having fun with being worried about getting sick? <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I think I think one of the, the first things that we can talk about is like why it's so important to take that break. Um, and as you said, check in with where you're at and how you're doing, because that's a step that so many people skip. And it's a step that I skipped for the longest time as well. Mm -hmm. Well, me too. I know like we, we would go straight from our school year and our season. And then I would drive back home, which is like a 14 hour drive, 17 hours with traffic going through Toronto and all that stuff. But then like being exhausted when you get home and then feeling like this pressure that you still need to show up for yourself, show up for your team, even though like you're not in season, you need to be doing everything that you can to optimize your performance at all times. Right. And I think it's really easy to get stuck in that mindset and not know how to turn the off switch so for me, it's like preventing burnout. Like that's the first thing. That's the first reason why I take the time now after the experience of burning myself out and burning the candle at both ends to take a moment, check in, see how I, I perform the season and then take some time to truly let my body rest. And that doesn't mean like laying on the couch every single day for a week. It's more or less like doing the active recovery, like rolling out, making sure I'm eating right, going for walks, that kind of stuff. Yeah. But Taylor, you're supposed to come back the next season even stronger. You're supposed to be better next season. And how are you supposed to be better if you take a week off? Like that's the, that's what went through my mind. Mm -hmm. And just as you said, like, Hey, for me, that doesn't look like laying on the couch for an entire week. It looks like doing the other stuff that I haven't had a chance to do. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. But I also knew that like some of the best weeks off that I had after the season, I watched a shit ton of movies mm. because like I needed to, when I wasn't, you know, maybe going to, like I started going to yoga in the mornings for the last um, couple months of the semester, like of the spring semester, um, I would finish my classes and then go home and watch a movie and get to be okay with that. Like that was something that I struggled with was not feeling super lazy or, um, feeling unproductive almost. Yeah. Or like, like I'm letting my teammates down somehow because if any of them were in the gym, well, then I should have been there as well. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think a huge part of this comes down to knowing yourself. And being okay with the result that comes from knowing yourself. So for me, that looked like, okay, so if, if my teammates are going to the gym and I'm having a day where like, I'm feeling tired or really, really sore, the older me would have said, or the younger me technically, but you know, past versions. <laughs> the of old me. version of you, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, would have said, well, I'm going to go anyways. Right. And that wasn't motivated by a desire for me to get better. That was motivated by a desire to not let my teammates down, to 
um, to not be perceived in a certain way by my teammates, right? Like I had the self-awareness to say, no, I'm sore, I'm tired, Mm -hmm. but I didn't have the trust in myself and the acceptance of where I was at to say, well, that means that maybe I probably shouldn't be in the gym today. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's not just knowing yourself because elite athletes know their bodies. Like we can tell you as soon as there's a pulled muscle, we can let you know if we ate something funny within like 25 minutes of eating it, you know, Mm -hmm. like it's not that it's being okay with what that result brings you, especially if it means taking a day off. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny that you say that because like those skills, we of course develop them through our sport, but they're so transferable outside of our sport too. So for me, obviously, you know, I've been doing so much traveling in the last like month and continue to travel for another couple of weeks. And yesterday and today, both, I have been so mentally exhausted that I just needed to be alone and like not have somebody around and just be within my own space and be in that silence to let my head kind of recover from everything that's been going on, especially being in Finland where I'm like having to translate everything in my head as best as I can now. So it's even more like mentally exhausting for me, but you know, back once upon a time, I maybe wouldn't have understood what was going on and I would have been pushing through and like forcing myself to keep doing things or forcing myself to be social because I'm here visiting like extended family and stuff like that right so like it's really really helpful to know and to listen to your body and to like like you said to accept that like it's really okay if you take a day off it's really okay if you maybe skip out on a social event so you can take some time to mentally or physically recover. Like you don't have to push yourself in every single area of life. Yeah. So let's break, let's break this down a little bit further too, right? Cause there's, so now we're talking about the motivation behind it, right? So what's the motivation to engage in something that's going to ultimately burn you out? Maybe fear of falling behind, um, that belief system that you're not good enough. I think the other part of it is, is like focusing on all of the uncontrollable things. It's like mm-hmm. focusing on, on your teammates, focusing on maybe the amount of time before you're doing uh, postseason testing or the next round of preseason testing, um, focusing on, I don't even know, maybe somebody else's expectations. Your coach's on, expectations, like how yeah. your coach views you and how your coach actually knows you in terms of what you can bring to the table when you're playing at your best versus when you're not. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things. Yeah. And maybe even your own expectations if they're fueled by the lovely friend perfectionism that we all deal with. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. We all have, we all have that one friend that just needs to, you know, butt out every now and then. But, um, I think, I think it's interesting to talk about this because you have to understand the motivations that aren't working in order to figure out how to create ones that do work. Mm-hmm. Right. So when you're, you're saying, well, I can't take that break. I can't take time off. I have to get in the gym right away. It's coming from those negative places of I'm not good enough. Here's all the things that are pushing me to want to do this or to feel like I have to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, okay, we'll find the inverse of those things. 
reframe. Yeah. Yeah. What, what can you control in this situation and addressing that voice that's telling you that taking a week or a couple days off is going to ruin all of your progress up to that point. Like, is that really true? Mm -hmm. No, probably Mm -hmm. not. Number one, unless you go on an absolute bender, (laughs) (laughs) but even then still probably won't ruin all of your progress because you spent nine months building it up. It's not Mm going to go away in a couple days. Um, It'll take a few days to recover from a bender for sure, but it's not going to wreck all of the results that you've been able to produce up until that point. Yeah. So like getting real with that perfectionist voice and like disproving it, telling it when it's wrong, when it is. Um, What are some other strategies that, you know, folks can use if, if they're getting into this point now where realistically they're confronting a part of them that's saying you will not be good enough if you, if you take time off. Well, I think it's, it's more than just that, right? Like we've talked about the importance of building the internal motivation system. So it's first about like finding where those limiting beliefs are. If you're telling yourself that if I don't do this, then I won't perform or I can't perform at this level Mm -hmm. and figuring out a way to reframe that first of all. But I think the, another important piece is like, why are we doing this in the first place? Right? Like, why are we putting our bodies through this torture to begin with? Yeah. Um, and I think to call it torture, I think as, as athletes, we all know that it actually isn't, but it feels like it, you know, um, yeah. but it's also like honing in the, on the why in the first place, because at the end of the day, like nobody is going to be putting in this work for you. If you set goals for yourself for the off season, or if your coach has expectations, of course you have to focus on the controllable factors. So you can't change what your coach's expectation is of you, but you can change what you're doing to ultimately get to your peak performance. So, so like if you're in the off season and you find like you're doing training by yourself, for example, mm-hmm. and it's really hard for you to keep pushing to like complete every rep or to push to your 100% and making sure that you're putting out the full max effort when it's required in your programming, then it's about really digging deep and finding the motivation that's going to internally spark that drive to keep pushing, even though your body is physically and like your head again is physically or mentally telling you like, I'm exhausted. I can't do this. Right. It's, it's, I mean, so for me, what I've done, especially like now that I'm really not playing as, as much and don't really know what's going to happen next season when I'm in the gym, especially like on the treadmill, which I hate the treadmill. Um, (laughs) but like when I'm doing those, those treadmill sprints, I'm anchoring in a certain word that's going to allow me to tap into that energy reserve that I need to know that I'm going to be pushing at that 100%. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. I think the other piece of it is, is sometimes it's just the lack of structure that makes people feel really anxious. Mm. Right. So if you say like, Hey, we're going into an off week, we've got athletes who have had their weeks planned out for them, like minute by minute for however many years. And then you're giving them free reign on a week where there's nothing planned. Mm -hmm. If maybe, maybe adding some structure into your week will help. And one of the things I've, I've talked to an athlete about recently is like, yeah, you need to take the time, but 
Why don't you put it in your calendar the day that you want to start building out your programming, the day that you want to contact your trainer and say, hey, um, we're, we're, we need to build a program for the summer. Call your coach. What is it specifically that you want me to be working on? Do your own self-assessment. Hey, what do I think I need to be working on from the previous season? And then have the program ready to go by the time your week done like when you take your week off, by the time you're done that, then you're ready to go and your brain can at least be at ease that there is a plan in place. Mm -hmm. I think that's another really important part. Um, I felt uncomfortable with it at least for a little while. It's just like so much time on my hands. What do I do? (laughs) And you kind of get sucked into it and you're like, well, this is nice. I want to keep doing this for a long time. (laughs) One week turns into two. (laughs) Oh, we've all been down that rabbit hole before. And like, it's crazy, right? Because it's, uh, we have such a hard time allowing ourselves and giving ourselves space to be okay with having that off week. Mm -hmm. But then it's also on the flip side, it can be easy to get ourselves out of that place too, because your body does really need that rest. And you're not used to being in that place where you can say like, it's okay that I'm not doing a workout today. Or if it's a deload week, it's okay that I'm not pushing as heavy as I was yesterday, because this is what's going to help build the muscle in my body at the end of this program. Right. Mm -hmm. So like (laughs) for me, it's, that was like a lot of the problem was first accepting that it's okay to not be doing something every second of the day, especially like during the season, but also in the off season too, because you know, as athletes, we can't have a job during the season most of the time. And then once the off season comes, like you're working full time, or at least that was my reality anyway. Mm-hmm. So not only accepting that it's okay to take, take a step back and also optimizing the time off. So you can be prepared for going into that next phase of whether that's just starting your training program or whether that's going into phase two, three or or whatever you've worked out with your trainer. Mm -hmm. Kind of going off on a side note here. I, Mm. um, I just had one of these epiphanies this week, actually in the gym, um, where you know, like I had just absolutely cooked my legs the day before, like I did a heavy lift and I started with like a 45 minute warm up run on the treadmill. Okay. Like I, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know why. I I try. I really try not to go into the gym with plans anymore. Like maybe I have a rough outline like, oh, today I want to do back squat. Like that's the one exercise that I will build the rest of my day around. Mm-hmm. But I don't go into the gym with a plan. So like I'll walk in and I kind of said to myself, eh, I feel like going on the treadmill. Pulled up Peloton, found a class that I thought seemed fun. I liked the music it happened to be 45 minutes long. Maybe not the best idea for a leg day. Coming off a power pump here. <laughs> yeah. But um, I did it and then I got into the gym and I was like, well, yeah, so what if my legs are tired? Like I said, I was gonna do back squats. So we're gonna lift heavy. Like we're not just gonna do little <laughs> little weights on there. We're putting the big ones on. Cause you know, I can't look like I'm lifting small weights like this is the voice that's going on in my head Mm -hmm. and then the next day of course my lower body was just toast so I go in I'm like okay well I guess we're doing an upper body today because there's no need to keep like bashing my head at a wall here like let's do the legs a little bit of rest 
And then, of course, when you're doing upper body, there's no huge, like, cardio component, and that's not what I was going after. Mm. But I remember thinking, like, I'm not really tired right now, and that means that this workout's not good enough. Like, if I'm not out of breath or, like, doubled over at some point in my workout, that means I must not be doing it right. Mm -hmm. And I remember specifically hearing someone say, like, you don't have to absolutely gas yourself every single time that you work out. You don't have to come into the gym and like punch yourself in the face every single day. Like some days it's meant to feel a little bit easier. And I said that to myself in the gym and I was like, holy shit, that's, this is one of those days. <laughs> For the first time in my life, I was like, wow, I get it now. <laughs> it only took like 25 years, but here we go. Yeah, just shy of 26. Just shy of 26. But. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it was interesting. I was like, okay, okay, so I don't so I don't have to absolutely kill myself today. Uh, wow, what am I going to do then? And the answer was, well, I've been here for 45 minutes. I can probably go home. Yeah, well, and like, I think because we're so used to having like at least an hour training session up to like an hour and a half, depending on yeah. what kind of program you have, what kind of sport you're in, what season you're in, that kind of stuff. Like, or when you had to get to class. <laughs> yeah, all of, all of these crazy components. Yeah. And like, for me, even like when I go to the gym, if I'm not there for at least an hour, I feel like I haven't really done very much, even yeah. though I've just been like the last 60 minutes, like either on the treadmill or, or doing weights of some sort. Right. So maybe it's also about reframing how we view the time that we're spending or like the time frame that we're giving ourselves as well. Right. Because mm-hmm. like it, you don't have to do 60 minutes to get some sort of benefit and some sort of exercise for your day. Right. Like it doesn't have to be that long. Yeah. It also doesn't have to be that short either, but it, you know what I'm you know what I'm getting at right like don't but hold yourself to these high expectations anything oh, is better sure. than nothing and the surgeon general recommends like 30 minutes of light activity a day <laughs> yeah we're going well above and beyond what the minimum recommendation is so yeah. I'd say we're off to a good start there mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. the other part of it too is like I I actually really, really love the Peloton app. I think it's great for someone like me who doesn't want to go into the gym with a plan. I can just like go through and find something. But then I'm like, oh, I can't do that 15 minute workout. Like who does a 15 minute workout? Not me. I can't do that. (laughs) But it's, it's like taking time to, to remember and actually go beyond maybe what you're used to with your workouts, right? Because mm-hmm. like at least my experience in college was we had things really segmented in terms of like weeks one versus weeks two, what a Monday lift would look like versus what a Friday would look like. Yeah. And um, Friday was always our active recovery cardio day. And mm-hmm. um, for those who aren't watching, I used air quotes because it really didn't feel like active recovery. We were like running up and down the football field um, for 15 minutes, but because like, you're absolutely gassing yourself, it feels like it's half an hour, but I Mm -hmm. found one of those workouts the other day and I was like, this was only 15 minutes long. I spent the other half hour that we were there either like getting warmed up and chatting, finishing Mm -hmm. my morning coffee or stretching. So it's like, 
-hmm. the time doesn't really matter. It's the quality of it. Mm -hmm. And going back to what we're talking about with like the, the topic for today and taking rest, if you're not in a spot where you can make 15 minutes of quality work, you're not in a space where you should be doing an hour of really hard training. Mm -hmm. Like you're just not, you need mm -hmm. to be able to be in a headspace where like quality over quantity is what matters to you because a lot of off season training is like building muscle, regaining strength that you've lost as you've tapered throughout the season. So it's very much like detail oriented, mm -hmm. very focused. You need to be on for this stuff. Mm -hmm. And if you're not, then you're risking injuring yourself in the off season, which is horrible. Like that yeah. none of us want to start that way. I've so, been there before and it's brutal. It's really yeah. brutal. Mm -hmm. um, but I like what you said about like having like the Peloton app, for example, like when it comes to the off season training, I'm sure everybody thinks of like having this really structured program where you're lifting, you know, whether you're doing like a, a a split so you're doing legs and then upper body another day or you're doing cardio and then you know what I mean like mixing yeah. and matching all of your different programming um but it's also important to note that like you can and should have fun with this too like cardio doesn't necessarily have to mean like running on um a track or a treadmill doesn't mean you have to go for like a crazy ass bike ride or or anything like that like you can go and play tennis for an hour you know what i mean like there's so many different ways to incorporate your training schedule and making it fun for yourself too and like i know my partner like he does the strength conditioning stuff for the team that he works with and like that's been part of that process too is like making sure that they're having fun along the way. So it doesn't always feel like you're working. Yeah. Like you need to enjoy what you're doing. And if you don't love to go running every single day, that doesn't mean you have to go running every single day. Maybe you and should also, maybe run you here shouldn't there, go running every single day. <laughs> yeah. If you oh. hate running, why are you doing it every day? I ask myself that whenever I step out to go for a run and I, the only reason I can justify it is because like, I haven't actually been in a gym in a, like a long time. Like it's uncomfortably long that I have not been in a gym. So I like substitute running with not going to the gym right now because I just don't have the time or the, like, yeah, it, yeah, exactly. So you know what I mean, but yeah, incorporate some fun into your, your programming if you can. Yeah. It's, it's kind of funny because with younger kids and with parents, I'm like, take them out of hockey in the summer. If they want to play spring hockey, get them to also play something else, mm -hmm. whether that's soccer. I played soccer and softball growing up. And um, during the season, I was even playing like volleyball for my high school. Mm -hmm. um, like getting young kids, any kind of athlete, like we, we say, we say to this for young kids and then we get into college and then all of a sudden there's rules around not playing other sports or some of them are, are valid. I must say like some for of them hockey are, yeah. no skiing during the season. Yeah, probably not. Probably I not definitely skiing. agree with that one. 100%. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But like, I just, I don't understand why we, why we discourage playing other sports like at at the heart of it you are an athlete and like being athletic is part of 
the job description for any sport that you're playing. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what sport. The more athletic you are, the better you perform because the better your body adapts to different changes and whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, It's too bad MJ's not on this episode because like she played rugby and hockey when she was in school. So like she would have been the perfect person to attest to the importance of being able to play multiple sports. And I know it's not, you know, not every team has rules where you can't play dual sport or anything like that, but Mm -hmm. there's actually been quite a few people who I've seen play dual sports and they excel in both of them. Yeah. We had, uh, I think a couple years before I was at Wisconsin, we had two sisters, um, Daria and Alev Kelter, Mm -hmm. who both played hockey and they also played soccer at Wisconsin. Um, and now I want to say Alev is playing for like USA rugby. Okay. Like this girl is an abs, like both of them were absolute tanks. And I don't think that anybody could say that one sport was subtracting from the other. Mm -hmm. It it helps you improve in both and it gives you something else to, to focus on for a little bit. It allows you to, again, maybe have a little bit more fun um, Mm -hmm. in your training, depending on like, Hey, maybe you really enjoy some aspects of soccer versus the same in hockey. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but in our, in our off season training, um, we started incorporating some, some games, right? Cause I think the, the longer that we got into it, like my class, we, I think we hit our junior year and we started saying to our trainer, like, Hey, it's weeks, it's week five of eight here. A lot of us are pretty tired. Mm-hmm. Like, let's find a way to have some fun. And we started playing, um, med ball volleyball. Okay. Um, which that sounds tough. <laughs> Maybe not the smartest alternative <laughs> sport to play, <laughs> but um, how dead were your arms though? Oh, absolutely dead. But like you took so the game is you take the not like the hard med balls, the bigger ones, the ones that are kind of fluffier ish on the outside. Okay, okay. And I think we used in between like five and ten kilos, so they're they're a good weight. Oh yeah, and um our athletic facility in our spare basketball court, they always had volleyball nets set up mm-hmm. if the basketball team wasn't using it. So we went in there and we had these med balls and you have three or four people on each side of the court and you just huck the med ball at each other, like over the volleyball net. <laughs> you, you have to catch it and throw it back. And um, yeah, that game kind of got kiboshed when someone <laughs> took one to the face. Oh, God. And that coordination, zero. Oh, God. It wasn't good. But um, that's it, kind of sounds like those, um, those like strongman events where they have like the sandbags and they have to like yeah. whip them over their head above that uh, <laughs> board. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, one year we had a, like a spike ball tournament when spike ball first mm-hmm. started getting big. That was a lot of fun. Those are always fun. Yeah. But it's like none of us looked at that and said like, oh, this is a waste of our time. Why did we wake up at no. 6 a.m. to play spike ball? It's it's like, no. It's fun. You're getting fun. active. And also like it's part of like a team building process too, right? Like yeah. you get to spend time with your teammates and having fun at the same time. You're going to build bonds. You're going to have some of the, something stupid's going to happen. Somebody's going to mess up or slip. Or, you know what I mean? Like yeah. something's going to happen where you're just going to have those inside jokes that are going to carry on and build stronger bonds between you and your teammates for the rest of the season. 
Yeah. And it's also a form of recovery. Like that is mental recovery and a little bit of physical recovery as well, right? Because you're mm-hmm. not like pushing your body to the limit while you're playing spike ball. I mean, well, unless you're really crazy, <laughs> maybe some people are, but yeah. we weren't, we weren't, yeah. we were, we were competitive, but like, you know, mm-hmm. within reason. And yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, I've always just found it kind of funny that we encourage kids to take a break and to play a different sport. But then as soon as we get into that high level, we're like, yeah, it doesn't work anymore. You can't do that. <laughs> it's like, why? Who made that rule? Like who decided that that was the truth? Somebody who was functioning from a scarcity mindset and saying, if they get hurt in another sport, that means that I don't have them in this sport. That's what I'm convinced it was. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or that if they weren't giving their 100% attention to the sport that they love, that they were missing out, they weren't going to be the best that they possibly yeah. could be, that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So now that we've kind of talked about like, the importance of one, like taking a step back and decompressing from the season and also the importance of the the off season training. Um, But let's talk about building those internal validation and the internal motivation systems that are going to help people get through the off season. If they obviously one are lacking the motivation to get that, get into the gym, get the work done, but also maybe have, um, kind of like they, they need to have the validation from their teammates and coaches when they're going through the training process. Oh, I'm still trying to wrap my head around this as we were talking about it earlier. Um, it's, it's so much easier to be consistent and to be disciplined and to like push to that next level when you have other people holding you accountable. Mm-hmm. But when it's just you it can be a lot harder, right? Because you're like, ah, well, if I, if I fail myself, it's not a big deal. If I disappoint myself, it's, well, it's just me. Like, who am I? It's not a big deal. But if I disappoint my coaches or my teammates, holy crap, the world is ending. Mm-hmm. But I think that's like a, that's a major reframe in self-talk and the way that you look at yourself, right? You are actually your most important critic. Mm-hmm. And you're also normally the loudest. So when you say, oh, if I give up on myself, it's not really saying much. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. That is reflecting back to you that mm, you're not really worth it. You're not, you're not good enough. Right? Getting honest with what that means is really important. And also turning the conversation around to say, why am I valuing what other people think of me more than what I think of myself? That's, that, I think, is the heart of the problem. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's hard to, it's hard to like get, get to the root of that on your own too. Right. Which is why like we work with athletes to address the self-worth issues, the self-validation and start building up the internal self and like validating yourself and making sure that you're being accountable to yourself because like at the end of the day, nobody's going to do this work for you. Like yeah. Yeah, you can sit here and and not do the off-season training and say, okay, well, like nobody's going to know because nobody was around to either see it or not see it, right? But mm. when you show up to the season, if you haven't done that work, regardless if somebody it. was there, <laughs> like you know it and they're yeah. definitely going to see it once you step on the ice or step into back into your sport after having that off-season training. Yeah. 
And like every single time that you make a decision to like not follow through to, um, I don't like using the word quit, but like to quit early, um, and say like, mm-hmm. ah, I don't really feel like doing the full 10 reps today. I'm only going to do seven. Don't feel like fighting for that last three. That's a communication to yourself of what it's okay. Believe. Yeah. And it's a communication of how you see your worth. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, well, I really don't think I'm worth it to do that. And every single time we communicate that, like, or give that negative feedback to ourselves, just gets internalized. Mm-hmm. And that voice that's saying like, yeah, you're not really good enough. Mm-hmm. You don't deserve to be there. It just gets louder because we're giving it proof and evidence for how we're not. Mm-hmm. And I, I'd like to make a note here that it's it's important to differentiate between stopping because you feel like you can't do it or you're telling yourself that it doesn't matter versus like physically being at the point of exhaustion where like you know that your body really does need to rest yes like this is everything comes back to the self-awareness piece um and and knowing your body and you know when there's gas left in the tank and you can keep pushing and you know when it's, it's in your head like it's truly a mental game like you can keep pushing, there is gas left, but it's a matter of if you're willing to empty the tank. And, you know, I don't know if you had like certain um, like standards or tests that you had to, to complete before you could kind of roster for the season for your team, but we did on ours. And we had to reach a 10 on the beat test to even see the ice. Like we could go to practice, but you wouldn't be able to play a game until you reach 10, which like, to me was brutal. I ran the beep test. I kid you not. I think I ran it like five or six days in a row, just trying to make sure I got to that 10. And I knew it was a mental game for me because like the self-talk in my head was like, I'm so tired. I don't think I, I can make this. And I had teammates around watching me the whole time, like, especially like to support once we got into like the later rounds and you had to, you know, make those turns quicker and stuff like that. But the, the day that I actually, I actually got a 10, I kid you not. I, I emptied the gas tank to the point where like everything around me started to go black. Like it was probably unsafe, but like, that's how determined I was to make sure that I got there. Right. So like that was kind of like the fine line of like balancing between this is me telling myself that I can't do this versus like my body is so physically exhausted from running the beep test for the past like five days in a row and like pushing myself to the absolute limit. So like there is a difference. And if you've played long enough, you know what that difference is. So if you stop and tell yourself that it's because your body physically can't take it anymore, even though you know that it's because mentally you're kind of not in the right shape, you're only lying to yourself. Like you can't fool you. Right. Yeah. Joke's on you. You can't fool you. I tried it. (laughs) I tried it. It really does not work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I think there's the other side of it too. It's like, well, what if I do push myself to my body's limit and I don't make it to where I think I should be, or if I don't make it to the standard that somebody else has created. Right. I think that's the other side of it. Mm-hmm. So if you quit early, at least you can say, well, it's my fault and it was my choice. It's not that I put everything out on the table and it still wasn't quote unquote good enough. Mm-hmm. 
and that's just functioning from that like it's not about the process it's all about the end result and if you don't get the end result once then you're done whereas we know that's not the truth like no i could have i could have failed the first beat test and just said i'm just not good enough maybe i'm just not on a roster this year right yeah. like i could have easily said that to myself mm-hmm. But I knew that wasn't true. I knew that I would get there. And I knew that like my desire to be on the ice and play and help make, you know, an impactful season with my team was way more important than the storyline that I was telling myself during the, during the hard moments, right? Like it's not when you're at level one and like things are easy. It's once you get into like level seven, level eight, nine, 10, like that's when it gets tough. And that's when your brain's like, gonna tell you all the shit that you don't want to hear yeah yeah that's where you have to get louder for yourself Mm -hmm. Um, we didn't have we didn't have any standards that we had to hit necessarily um we did two tests before one year we did three um but none of them had anything to do with our ability to roster or our ability to play it was just kind of like um sorry my phone is ringing is that a landline that i hear oh yeah it's a landline (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah my parents think it's necessary to still have a landline i think my grandma has a landline and that's it yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. this is what i've been communicating but anyways um yeah so we didn't we didn't do fitness tests to determine whether or not you were um going to be able to play we were enrolled in studies on campus so we did a vo2 max on a treadmill and we did the one year we did an on ice beep test or two years we did on ice beep and then every year we did the 10 10 treadmill test Um, and only one year did we ever look at all of that info gathered into one spot along with we always did like a body comp scan Mm -hmm. um and Oh, what I can't remember what it's called now, but like the sit and reach test. Oh, okay. Like the flex- yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like that was it. That's all that we did. And Just only- quick side note: Like, did your goalies do the online or the online the online speed test? Fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure if your coach was gonna like put them. No, that you know what? Or Actually, not. I'm lying. I think they did do it, but they had an entirely like nobody had a standard like we didn't have Mm -hmm. a standard that we were supposed to hit it was just like go until you can't right okay that was the only expectation um the standard for the 10 10 was to try and make it a minute if you could go a minute good if you could go more than a minute great if you Mm -hmm. were less than a minute maybe there was something that you could work on but it wasn't going to impact your ability to play okay but it was honestly like, especially the 10, 10, it was a team building thing. Mm-hmm. It was like, Hey, let's have somebody on a freaking podium essentially with everybody around them, like hyping them up. We all got to choose our, the song that we wanted to run to. We all went through and said, yeah, I want this song. And I want you to start it at a minute 30, right before the beat drops. And like, yeah. you would pace out a minute in your song. Mm-hmm. Just be like, okay, that's all I have to do is get to this. And then everybody around you would be like yelling and screaming. And I think it like in one of the ones that I did, I was really struggling with like the negative Mm self-talk because I was an upperclassman and I needed to, we always got to run it first so that, 
you weren't just left staring at everybody do their own. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was in, into my own head about like, yeah, I got to set an example, blah, 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 coming off of hip surgery, like totally rehabbed. I need to be like that example. Mm-hmm. And I remember getting on the treadmill and starting running and all of a sudden this like flip switch in my head and I was like, pardon my French, fuck this, I'm going. And I just started yelling for myself and everybody around me. And it was like euphoric almost because it was a physical representation of like, no, I'm going to be my own biggest cheerleader. Mm -hmm. And once I had that feeling of like having my teammates around me, great, awesome, could expect that from them. Mm -hmm. But I had never been able to expect myself to show up for me Mm -hmm. in those moments and having that happen I was like wow (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's game changing absolutely it is I mean like I know I mentioned earlier like the one thing I really do when I'm on the treadmill is I have like an anchor that I I use pretty frequently actually so I can tap into basically going balls to the walls during my treadmill sprints and making sure that I'm pushing my limits and like getting the most out of the time that I'm putting into it quality over quantity right like I don't run a long time on there but when I do I'm running lights out and like part of that is improving the self-talk that we have and I remember even like when I was living in Norway I'd go for like 5k runs and my goal was to have five under 25 that's what I wanted to be at and I was (laughs) yeah I think I got like I think the one time it was like 24, 50 something or whatever. Like I was proud. I was happy. Like I worked hard for it. And like, but there were moments because it was like a, a hilly type run anyway. And like running uphill for such a long time, I was like, I could mentally hear myself and feel myself, like feel that like voice creeping in the back. Mm-hmm. And then to be able to pull that anchor and just like really shut it out almost like yeah. it was it's the best feeling honest yeah. to god because you're cheering yourself on doing it for yourself and it doesn't have to do with anybody else around you it's it's all for you and that's the best feeling so i think like building that positive self-talk and knowing how to shut out the negative voice that comes at you mm-hmm. is a huge part of building that internal motivation and internal validation process yeah and also, I remember running, like when I first got into long distance running, I remember, I was like, I just want to hit that runner's high. Everybody says it's so great. Like, I want to hit it. You're not going to get it if you're like bagging yourself in your head the entire run. Like, it just mm-hmm. doesn't happen. If you're so negative with yourself to the point where you're not even able to experience the present moment because you're so upset about what your time is going to be when you finish or maybe that last split time that you just checked your watch with, like you're not going to be present enough to even know that you're feeling like you're getting a runner's high. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. so yeah, I just think like to pull it all together. So much of this comes from, of course it starts with self-awareness. Like you have to be able to know your body But it also ties into like being present enough to actually answer that question of what is my body telling me I need right now? Mm -hmm. 
and athletes have the tendency to get so invested in the future or invested in the past, what happened to them or what's going to happen to them, mm-hmm. um, that it prevents them from being able to take the time off to, to like be fully aware and understanding of what's going on in their experience. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that you bring that up too, because like we have a tendency to let the stories that we tell ourselves create an identity, which isn't always serving for us. So it's important to like solidify those moments, those experiences uh, in a way that they're going to positively impact you moving forward. Mm -hmm. Like don't let those negative experiences create your future. Yeah. Let go of those or like take a moment to try and reframe them to find the positives so you can positively be impacting like your present moment so it will give you better results moving forward. Absolutely. Let's end it on that quote. Love it. Mm-hmm. Don't let don't let the negative experiences impact your future. Is that what you said? I think so. Something like that. That's what I meant. Like Maybe that. you said it nicer than I did. No, I think I think you definitely put it more eloquently. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you. I do my best. There you go. All right. Well, on that note, we've got to jump off to our team call here. So it's uh, time to close out. Thank you guys so much for listening. Again, just to me and Lauren and Jay, we miss you as always. Um, but for those of you who have been listening to the podcast for a long time, or if it if you're new, if you find this valuable, um, please uh, share it with a friend, share it on social media, leave us a rating and review. That's like the biggest ask that we can uh, have for you guys to help us out in terms of getting this podcast to grow and reach more people like yourselves. So thanks again, guys, and we'll see you next week.